Hey friends and welcome. Listen, life is a journey filled with unexpected detours and most of us have experienced at least one and maybe more life-altering pitfalls. How we choose to react and grow from heartbreaks, roadblocks, stumbles and struggles, well, that's where the magic is created. Tune in twice a month when me, Kathy Talone asks, and then what happened? You don't want to miss an episode as we go on a fascinating journey with new and old friends sharing their ups and downs on their unique path to personal freedom. I'm so grateful you joined us. Thanks for being here. Everyone, and welcome back to the Kathy Talone Show. And then what happened? Hey, everyone, I am so grateful for you to be here. It is 2024. There's so much magic happening, so much is going on with traveling light coaching, with and then what happened podcast. I have an exciting lineup of amazing women for this year telling amazing stories. And today is no different. I am so excited to share the story, to have this woman, this beautiful woman, share her story of her unique and authentic path. Wait till you hear this story. Susan Burdick. She is the owner of Restore for Life, an original neuroacupuncture light touch energy therapy that Susan discovered, developed, and teaches the public internationally. This holistic, integrated healing therapy is based on a blend of science and ancient wisdom, rooted in knowing how to access and activate the intelligence of your body to repair, reconnect, reset dysfunctional patterns, allowing your body to heal itself quickly and naturally. She has worked at Portsmouth Regional Hospital in New Hampshire, in the United States of America, formal, uh, former nationally approved provider for continuing nursing education, former approved provider for continuing education by the National Certification Board for Therapeutic Massage and Body Work. She's a polarity educator, Reiki master in two lineages, author of Reboot Your Body for Better Body Function, and I know there is so much more to her story. And I am super excited, Susan. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm fantastic. And I'm so happy you asked me to be on today because I want to empower women. Um, I think too many times we're suppressed in life and we're not on our path. And it's only when we're confident with ourselves and we see ourselves as who we are and not what other people tell us we are. Um, that's when we really bloom and take off. Well, thank you for sharing that because that I knew you were the perfect guest because that's exactly what this show and then what happened talks about. You right now are up in New Hampshire in the United States of America. You and I have known each other, not really intimately, but our paths have crossed so many times over the years, um, starting about eight years ago in some networking events. Um, so I have so much to learn about you. And again, super grateful for you to be here. So where do you want to start? You mentioned having a salon and being a holistic healer and learner. I really started life as a messenger. 
Um, I have a lot of different abilities. Um, I, we all do. We all have the same abilities. It's just um, I'm a big meditator, so I meditate uh, four hours a day, two in the morning, two in the afternoon. Some of my abilities, um, I'm a channeler. Um, I call myself a medical intuitive now. I don't like labels because it limits you when you really have so many more abilities. Um, I predicted three world events before they happened. Uh, 9-11, the tsunami in Sumatra, and the crash in 08 in front of some very prominent people. And so I had all these abilities only because my grandmother, who lived in Canada, she was, um, when you're very present, that's when you actually can see and hear everything that's going on around you. So living with nine other siblings in Canada on a farm, she was very, very present. Every She was very aware of every moment that she was, everything she was doing. And so she was very open and she also had many gifts. And um, so my mother was, I want to call it flatlined. She didn't believe in much of anything. You know, I would say something and she would just smile at me. But my grandmother totally understood. And so every single person like living with my mother didn't believe in anything I was saying. My mother was, a, I want to say, a narcissistic sociopath. And, um, and then I ended up marrying my mother. So throughout my entire life, I had to suppress all of my abilities, I could only talk to a few people um, about what I actually could do and, and and understood and were the same as I am. And so so I was constantly suppressed and, and uh, developing my abilities, using them to get myself in a different position, using them to help people. Uh, my mother said, you should become a hairdresser. So as a little sheep who never had the abilities to think for myself, um, I opened, I went to hairdressing school, became a massage therapist, an esthetician, and opened organic salon and spas. But my heart was never in it. Um, I did extremely well at it because I hired a lot of qualified people, but that wasn't my true love and that was not who I was. So it was, it was, um, so empowerment was huge when my life shifted when after I got a divorce and I was on my own and I could do and say and be everything that I wanted to be. I guess I just want to put some some of those things on a timeline. Take it away from when you started getting into the organic salons and things like that. Were you um, just getting out of college or how, how what was your life looking like at that moment? Um, well, I, right after high school, uh, I bought my first salon, I, my first space, and I opened the organic salon and spa. And it was, um, I, it was very unusual at that time. Um, I was very young. I was, I just turned 20 and I opened up this, this business that was all organic and natural, um, and had a very, uh, spiritual intuitive vibe to it. And so I would have fit great in California at that time, but not in New England, very conservative. And um, so it was, uh, I attracted a lot of people that had issues. Um, so just because your energy, what you radiate, what you truly are, attracts what, you know, the same people who are going through the same experiences. So at that time I was in an abusive relationship but I also had these other abilities 
So I would attract people and I really think they came to me because of uh, the information I could give them. Um, I didn't realize at that time how much I was channeling. So they would come in and I would do their hair and they would get into these conversations and I always had the answers that they needed to hear. The interesting part is when I was, when we were having these conversations, I would say things that would be in their language. So if they were kind of a little bit on the rough side, they may have used a little bit of vulgar language. Um, I would respond in that language and it would be to my surprise because I don't speak that way. Um, I was like, uh, that was really inappropriate for me to say, but actually it's the way they needed to hear it. So this went on and on. Um, and it just, it got to the point when uh, I really just kept getting more spiritual all the time and getting deeper, deeper into my work and using all my abilities and then starting, I want to say, coming out and being vocal about it. And um, as that started to happen, we had the crash in 08. Were you fully aware of what was going on? Were things still surprising you throughout this process of how in tune, you know, how in tune and how intuitive you actually were. Did you know the depth of how you were connecting with these women or supporting them? On what level was that that a conscious decision? Well, uh, at that point, I was a Reiki master in two lineages. And um, so I think that draws people in. People are attracted to people um, like-minded. Um, so I would be doing their hair and they'd be asking me all kinds of questions. I'd also, um, what the salon started out to be was just a natural organic salon. But what ended up happening is I would also teach classes, uh, you know, uh, Reiki classes in there. And then I would play fun games with people, um, uh, teaching them how to be intuitive and um, just uh, teaching them all the different abilities. And people would say, well, I want to learn, you know, I want to learn how to be intuitive. And I'd, so I'd line people up side by side in chairs. And this is supposed to be a salon. And it just sort of morphed into something completely different. And so people would, like I said, I'd sit them side by side in rows. And I would say, you know, this row was not going to say a word, but that row, um, this row that I'm touching, the, your shoulders, they're going to, uh, you're going to just focus on them and nothing else. You're going to reduce that mind chatter and focus on them. And so they would turn around and come up with silly things. It's like, oh, I can't say that. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I when I hear that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know how much I was suppressed throughout my life um, and not allowed to be me. So um, I'd say, just say what you're seeing. It might sound crazy to you, but it won't sound crazy to the other person. So finally, I convinced this woman to speak. And she said, um, I'm seeing a guy with um, a big, huge, old-fashioned rain hat and a yellow rain jacket. And he's standing behind, you know, oh, like he's in an old boat. And it's, a, it's the wheel of the boat, but it's an old wooden wheel. And he's standing there in, you know, on this boat. And, uh, and the woman goes, that's not strange. She says, my husband is the vice president of Gordon's Fishery, and that's their symbol. No. And, you know, so um, so all kinds of things. Like, I have, like, millions and millions of stories. But 
you know, so what ended up like I was pretty much forced to be an a, a, a open a salon because of my mother. But what happened was the fun part was this salon ended up turning into something that was going to be part of my future. Wow. So, wow. So, you know, so we're in a spot and you think, I made a mistake. This isn't really me. Um, I don't really want to do this, but I have all this money invested now in this business, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars in this business. And and then all of a sudden, I, I think the biggest problem people have is they have this just set, you know, like, this is what I'm going to do. And they think the road is just straight. It's not. You never get where you're going. It's going to be um, it's going to be like walking in the path in the middle of the woods because you're not going to see what you need, what you're where you're going. You're only going to see it from a very short distance of where you need to go in the next week, two weeks, month, or maybe a year. And then, uh, and eventually, you have to have these experiences so that you can develop yourself. You can develop. Um, who you are, you can experience things because you could never be compassionate to someone or helpful to someone unless you're helpless. Mm -hmm. And it's only through all of your life's experiences that actually get you, keep you on your path. And even though you feel like you've just fallen off the cliff and you haven't been on your path, the reality is, is you do have to go into these situations that you really would never choose, you think are totally wrong, um, so that you can learn about people, you can learn about yourself, and you can release all your trauma that you're holding inside of you. That's an amazing, yes, that is an amazing, I'm a, such a visual person, so for me that was super visual. I talk to my clients and I always say like, like it or not, you have. If you picture a ladder, you have to step on every rung, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's no shortcuts, mm -hmm. and I think that's what you're you're talking about. Like, it, you need to touch every. And sometimes we don't know why we're touching that rung, but there's something there that we need to learn to bring forth, whether it's a skill or it's an understanding or it's a person on our path that we need to meet, right? And so so then we can take the next step, like you were saying. Now you're in the salon and now you're doing, you know, these incredible workshops in a way, right? You're touching every rung of the ladder and things are unfolding in front of you. So how did it just talk a little bit more about that for for women maybe who are kind of in this in the middle of a journey like this right now, what did that kind of feel like and do? And how did you say, I'm going from having a narcissistic mother to like really embracing my gifts right now in having that confidence to do that? You have to, um, you have to, it's called uh, mirror neurons. And so I'm very science-based, but I'm I'm, I'm more spiritually based, but I'm also science-based. So mirror neurons, actually, when you're first born for the first seven years, you don't have to teach the child anything. They just look, they watch, they see, and um, they assume if your father is an abuser, this is normal. Um, and then you learn to be an abuser and you do things and say things that mimic that person or the, the family members or whatever situation you're in, um, you mimic that because you feel that's the way it is. 
and we all go through it. We have that reel that we play over and over again uh, throughout our lifetime, and it's it's because of the that's how that's how we learn is through the the mirror neurons, and so that is our that's our fallback. So what we have to do is that's not us. That's not who we are. That's who your parents were. And people talk about past lives. I look at it differently. I say past generations. I've seen myself um, doing lots of different type of work on myself. I've seen myself in different countries. I've seen myself as a boy, a girl, uh, you know, past life regression. You, it's, it's really, you, there's you, there's your parents, and then their parents and their parents and their parents. And unless you break that mold, and unless you um, stop doing that with those repetitive patterns, it'll just go on forever for generations. So coming into your own, finding your own, who you are, who you were meant to be, and what is really your highest qualities and abilities is when you break that mold and you stop mimicking and you stop being a little puppy dog that's led around and you break that generational which people call past lives. And I can totally understand why they say that because I have seen myself as a little boy in different countries, like in Europe with little wooden, sh you know, with little leather shoes on um, and things like that. But I realized it's all through my work. It's all generational. Um, and yes, it's your past lives because your genes and everything is passed down from generation to generation, but it's not who you are. But it's when you break that mold it's like taking, it's like the little chicken and the egg. When finally that little chicken develops enough, and that's all the things you just do, like opening a salon or other things that everybody tells you to do, or you're following that mold. It's like that little chicken and the egg. And then finally, when you get enough of those, um, those traumas, those um, belief systems and things out of your system, you actually are that little chicken that breaks that egg open and then you become yourself. And then that's when you grow and bloom is when you stop following all the things that you're supposed to do, all the things you were told to do, or all the things that your past generations did um, unconsciously because they were passed down from generation to generation and had these situations, whether it's abuse, neglect, whatever is going on. Once you break all that, your heart opens, all of your energy systems are working and you're all connected. Um, it, it's I want to say like you're firing on all cylinders. And so now you're able to, once you've gone through this, you're able to be who you were born to be and you're going to live your best self. Was your awareness through this, I, I'm picturing it as this growth spurt, the spiritual growth spurt. Were you confident in your abilities because you saw your grandmother, because that was in your generational lineage and, and you could just look to that? I'd say yes. Did I knew um, my grandmother was the most loving, kind, generous, caring woman you could ever ask for. And uh, my mother was the opposite. And it was... I I knew I wasn't um, being irrational by wanting to be me and because I would watch my grandmother and I'm, she actually was my idol. So I would say, I want to be like Grammy. 
you know, um, I want, she was very, she was so good to everyone and, but she was herself and she didn't try to be someone else. She didn't pretend she didn't dress up like everyone else. She did. She didn't mimic. Uh, she wasn't using those mirror neurons where I laugh, the teenagers say, you know, we want to be different. And then they all dress alike. So, you know, you're not using those mirror neurons. You're actually living your own life and you're looking through your third eye at your destiny versus the neuro mirror neurons, easy to say. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So during this little growth spurt, you, you almost knew you were in a vehicle and you almost knew exactly kind of what was going on. So it wasn't because a lot of times my spiritual awakening was, you know, it was super bumpy and super unexpected. So I almost had to catch up in a way to what was going on. Like, what is going, you know, my world was just uh, completely shooken up, but it looked like you had a super, you know, beautiful mentor who in a way guided you through this. So my huge opening was um, after I got divorced, I had three stomach operations that were needless. Um, I was only gluten intolerant and I was misdiagnosed, which I find a lot of people are misdiagnosed. And, How old were you, Susie? Um, I went through three operations. I was married at the time. And so I want to say I was late 20s. Okay. And so because of this, I, I went to an allergist and he said, don't eat bread. So I didn't eat bread. And then he said, and then uh, the doctor, my stomach was still very strange feeling and I never felt great. So I went to my doctor and he said, I'm going to give you these pills. And of course the pills did nothing. I wasn't eating bread, like my allergist said, um, but the pills did absolutely nothing. So they said, we are going to, I'm going to send you to the best. I'm not going to use the hospital's name or anything to identify them, uh, but we're going to send you to the best hospital in Boston to the chief gastroenterologist um, because he's the best there is and he'll figure it out. Um, so I, after a million tests, tubes up my nose, wearing all these gizmos with tubes up my nose for days, uh, going home, having uh, all kinds of scopes down my throat uh, over and over and over again, um, they never found anything, but they decided we are going to operate and solve your problem. And hindsight being what it is, again, I'm still stuck in that mode. When you're looking at an authority, you just go along with it. Big, big mistake. Um, so they said, we're going to operate and fix it. They didn't know what they were fixing. So a year and a half later, that failed, completely failed. Um, I was internally bleeding. And so I said, I'm not going back to that guy. I'm going to go to someone else. And uh, I went to a bunch of surgeons and I picked one. And so he redid exactly, it's called a Nissen fund duplication. He actually redid that surgery. And so because of, uh, because of that, I lasted eight years, but then it failed. So I'm going into this third surgery, um, knowing all this and very, very ill. And when I got on to the, you know, getting ready to be operated on for the third time, um, I was in the middle of a divorce. So I really, that was actually a positive thing, but I have twin boys and I was wondering if I was ever going to see them again. So I went to five surgeons and they all said the same thing. 
uh, you have one in a hundred chance of survival. And 80% of the people who do survive have serious problems the rest of their life because of the, what I just explained. And so knowing this, as I was preparing to go in to this third stomach operation, and I, they, they stand you up when you're doing, or lay you down or twist you around when you're doing surgeries. So I, I looked like I was on the cross because I had my arms out by my side, strapped to boards. Uh, my legs were strapped down. They put a board because they were gonna stand me up to do the surgery. So my ankles were strapped, my knees were strapped, my thighs were strapped, my hips were strapped, my arms were strapped to these boards straight out of side of me. And um, they just threw a gurney, uh, threw a, a Johnny on top of me because I was actually gonna have no clothes when, when I'm doing surgery. And then they, they like angled my head so it was bolted up so it wouldn't have flopped over. And, um, and so I'm laying there like this and the nurse says, I'm gonna start the drip and you're gonna get groggy and I'm gonna go tell the doctors we're ready for surgery. So I laid there and I remember as a small child seeing Jesus, um, I was brought up Catholic and even though I would consider myself more of a Buddhist, but um, I would see Jesus speaking to me from time to time, uh, you know, coming in and saying things to me while holding the, the world like it was a globe, uh, like an ant farm, and then just watching everyone. And so there's many, many spirit guides. They look different. Um, they're different. They look different for each religion, um, but they're all one and the same. That surprises people. And um, so what I did is I said, God, if you want me to die, accept that, because I was so sick and so miserable for so long. And I said, if you want me to live, I'm going to help people the rest of my life. I owned organic salon spots. So what was I going to do? Give them a great haircut? How was I going to help people the rest of my life? Yes, you know, I was a sweet master, Shambella master. Um, you know, I was part of... Um, the New Hampshire Dream Factory, helping children who were going through terminal illnesses. Um, I belonged to so many boards. I was doing all these wonderful things in life, but I'm like, how am I really going to impact people? So I went out after that, and I woke up to the doctor dancing. Now, this is a guy, I don't think he ever smiled a day in his life. He's like Mr. Straight. Um, dancing, smiling, rubbing his hands, and he said, it was textbook. So I want to, um, I'd love you to sign papers so I can teach other doctors how to do this surgery. And um, so I said, yep, I will do that. And I'm like, okay, good. I just made a promise to God that I would help people the rest of my life. This doctor's gonna take all of my, my videos that they do, it's like, you know, the cameras that go inside and do this operation. And now he's gonna help people, he's gonna teach the doctors, they're gonna help me, I'm good. Um, wrong. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, I am on the edge of my seat. I can't even speak. Keep going. I love this. This is amazing. So I was totally wrong and um, big surprise. When I woke up and um, my, you know, I owned this organic salon and spa, I said, you know, I don't belong here anymore. Um, I'm going to close it down. And I stopped working for the hospital. It was really kind of fun there. Um, they, they, I couldn't afford to live off living off uh, hospital pay. 
Um, but I would accompany the doctors and nurses in the hospital. Uh, they'd say, Susan, I have someone in oncology. Uh, she's screaming. I can't give her any medication because she's in the middle of uh, uh, cancer treatments for breast cancer. And so I'd have a beeper and I'd go in and I would work on this woman's head, you know, do, 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 in a few minutes, uh, like two minutes to be exact. And uh, with a three oncology nurses and an oncology doctor watching me, and um, she'd say, oh, my headache is gone. And, uh, and the doctor would look at me and they'd question her and then the doctor would pull me aside and say, what did you do? And I'm like, this is what I do. And so he, um, so I made a name for myself with the medical community. Um, I would do all their head trauma. Um, they would send me and say, Susan, you know, don't sit this person up. They have CSF leaking out of their nose. Um, but um, she's been screaming for days. And I would go in and I would use her neurological system and acupuncture points. All along, I was picking up what I was going to be doing in the future. They, everything so I would do, I would not know why I do it. But I would actually um, just do what ended up being restore later on in the future. That was exactly what I was going to ask you. If there was any formal training, you did say that you were Reiki master. You went through the Reiki master. What were the other modalities that you went through? Some I'm, I'm putting quotes informal training. Um, um, actually, I named all the formal things I did. From here on in, it was a completely different life. Mm -hmm. So this woman that, um, her name is Susan, um, was on my table one day and she, um, she was very upset. She was another family member had cancer. Um, she got on the table and I'm listening to it really, really crying. And I'm like, what is going on here? And so I walked in and I knocked, first I knocked and I said, are you okay? She said, come in. And when I walked in, everything, she's lying on the table covered up and she's crying. And it's only when I shut the door, and this is in my book into detail, it's only when I shut the door that I thought, what is in this room? The energy was so intense. Now, here I am in a Sui in Shambhala master. I'm used to really high energies, clearing people so that they can have the same abilities and get rid of all their junk so that they could be, you know, Reiki masters and things. And that's the more junk you get rid of, the more abilities you have. So... I'm like, I've never experienced this level of energy. It was actually bouncing off my skin and burning me and right through my clothing. And I'm now crying my eyes out like I like I lost everything I ever had. I was just bawling my eyes out. And I was shuffling on the floor because the energy was so thick, I couldn't lift my feet. And I look over my shoulder and I see Jesus, the torso of him standing in the corner of my office. And I paused and she says, you can see him, can't you? Wow. And I said, I'm looking right at him. Wow. And she said, I knew he was here and that's why I'm crying. And I didn't move. And then I felt this energy that was like a, like a, a very soft golden ribbon that kept swirling around my body. And I went into like a trance state um, because I'm here I am in this unbelievable volume of energy and then now he's he said um, I'm taking over and so my I was staring at a blank wall and I was watching through my peripheral vision my hands moving and um I could just stare ahead and could see things going on around me but I couldn't do anything 
So I see my hands moving. And then when I was done, then I heard him say, sit down. I'm healing your hearts tonight. So I sat down and the we, we, we both went immediately to sleep. And then when the room imploded, it went and imploded. Then we both woke up and I said, he's gone now. And it was after that, we actually both had to acclimate ourselves because it was, he took out all hate, anger, fear, bitterness, uh, trauma, everything. It was like we were born, we were newborn infants looking at the world for the first time. I had no emotional connection to my ex-husband. I had no reaction. It was just like I looked at someone like he was anyone else, a stranger walking into my life. I had to acclimate myself looking at a doorknob and saying, oh, that's a doorknob. That's how you get in and out. And so we sat there in my office for, we don't know how long, we're estimating like five hours or so and um, at night. And then she said, I can go home now. And it was only as we reacclimated, she actually had to take time off from her job. And then I just locked my door and put vaca on vacation on my door. Um, and it took us a couple weeks to really get settled in. The difference was that we had no fear, no anger, no hatred, nothing. Um, and so that was the that was the crescendo of everything I ever went through. That was me coming out of my shell. That was me being open. That was, and then you meet the right people at the right time for the right situation. And then from then on in, um, spirit beings started to come in because I'm so clear. Um, I started seeing different spirit beings coming in and they actually taught me how to do restore. Wow. That, I, I feel like I need a, a minute to even process everything that you just said. That was intense. And it's crazy because I was so visualizing the whole thing. I, it's an amazing, amazing story. There's no words to express how intense and how pure and how beautiful the energy was. It was like something we've never, none of us have ever experienced that unless you have like a near-death experience or uh, something of that nature. They'll, it's, it's very hard to put to words when, because we're used to uh, the news, the negativity, people always commenting, your dress is too tight. You don't, you don't, you know, why don't you color your hair? You know, we're always just like so much negativity always because it's everybody's got their own little issues. So it's a little ball of uh, people running around with all their issues, banging against each other all the time. And that doesn't <laughs> really need to happen. You know, um, it's like you ever see the kids when they get in those those little fun houses and there's balls flying all over the place. That's what we live in, but it's all negativity. Um, so when all those balls just went down and there was no negativity, it was just pure love. Um, it's, it's almost impossible to even, no matter what word you choose, it's almost impossible to realize the intensity of that level of love. There was no expectation in this happening. I mean, you were an intuitive, you were um, plugged into all of the different energies. I, you were really in it, but this was out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So after that happened, I believe you said 
that's when you got the gifts for or the blueprint for your restore business. I just want to fill in that little area right there. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I actually different spirit beings would come in and because I see in metaphors. And so um, different spirit beings would come in and uh, they would uh, some were more aggressive. Uh, one of them um, would just point boom, boom, because we're using all mental telepathy and he would point do this, go here, do that, do this, do that. And, um, and so that's how I learned. And they actually, um, I, when I would get discouraged, they would say, we chose you. And I think they chose me because I was so stubborn. I wasn't ever going to give up. And, um, and so they just kept saying you, you were chosen for this. And, uh, and all my work with kids and with disabilities and cancer and everything else that I did for my entire life. Um, so I, I believe we are chosen as we come onto this earth, we're chosen for what we're going to do. And no matter what path we take, whatever we do, how many screw ups we make, we're going to end up on the path that we're supposed to be on. So nobody has to panic and say, oh my gosh, how, um, I don't know where I'm going. I can't think of what I want to do next. This isn't working. You're there for a reason. And once you figure out that reason and move on, you're going to go to something else, but you will always get to where, what is your destiny. And now remember what I said before I thought I was dying, I'm going to help people the rest of my life. I started getting people just walking through my door saying, you know, um, I don't know why I'm here but I just came in and this is what I have. And they had no idea why they even came in and told me what issue they had. Tell us a little bit about that beginning of the um, so, of your business and, and how, you, it, how you brought so it to light. I didn't know it was my business. I just knew they mm -hmm. were teaching something that I could help people the rest of my life. And it was only because of a, a two-year-old who was diagnosed out of a major Boston hospital um, he was a twin and they said, this child has so much wrong with him. You can't abort this twin. And the mother said no. And then, uh, so she had both babies and I got him just before he turned to and a major Boston hospital diagnosed him as low functioning autistic. Um, so she went to a health food store and the woman says, I know who you need to see. She's fantastic with kids. So, um, so she made a call and we talked and now I'm working on this child. And as I'm working on him in eight sessions, he went from low functioning autistic to completely functional. I want everyone. I know what I went through. I know what this mom went through. I want everybody to have the ability to do this. Mm. That's when I actually, that's when it turned from, I learned how to do something to a business is, okay. um, I, for the first time, um, now I never went to college and I had a very suppressed life between my mother and then the ex-husband was also, um, like I said, I married my mother, um, narcissistic, um, and wouldn't let me do this, wouldn't let me do that. Um, so here I am a free bird and um, so I just said, I want everyone to be able to do what I'm doing. And so that's when I said, okay, now we're opening a whole different, a whole different book. I'm, I'm now going to have to develop a workshop. How do you do that? And so when I would do something on someone 
after I would, my head shakes when I get information, information is energy. And so my head would shake and then my hands would move just like they did when Jesus came in, my hands were moving and I didn't even know what I was doing. My hands would move, but this time I would step back and every place my finger touched lit up like a runway, little lights, every single place. My And I would take my, my sketch with an anatomical man and I would put the dots exactly where they needed to do and I would write down what, um, what that move did. And so I did this over and over and over and over again over a period of probably four months with different clients that were coming in. And actually what I didn't realize was I was writing my workshop. Wow. And so every time I made a diagram, every time I'd see those lights right up, so my hands would move, uh, my head would shake, I'd get the information, my hands would move, and I wouldn't know what they're doing, but my hands would move. Then I would stand back, I would see wherever I touched light up, I'd document it, and then write, this is my next move. And then it was all these, all these things. And then finally one day I said, I'm done. And then I took that and then had to, which I'd never done before, I had to make a workshop. So, and I had to address every single different, uh, like this multiple play, um, ways people learn. Everyone has a different learning skill. So I wrote the whole workshop. I had to write all the write up on it, on what to do, how to do it and everything for each, each thing. And then when I had it complete, I gave it a red pen and I gave it to six of my friends with different learning abilities. One ran an office, one was uh, in a in, uh, University of New Hampshire science lab. Um, someone else was bagging at market basket uh, grocery store. Um, so I gave it to different people because of different learning abilities. And I said, cross out with one line, what you don't understand and put it in the words that you understand. And then I gathered these things back after two weeks and I accommodated my workshop to fit everybody's learning skill. Never did this in my life, had no idea what I'm doing. And I literally work 24 seven because this was something I never did in my life, never imagined I was going to be writing workshops. Um, but I got through that and then I'm like, okay, now I have to get it out into the public. Um, I always ran like a mom and pop business, but now I'm going, uh, international. How do you get this stuff out into the public? So then I had to learn how to do, which I'm still terrible at. Um, I had to go on to like Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And I had to go to every, uh, like learn how to do this, which I'm still not really skilled. That's not my thing. Um, but I had to learn to get this stuff out to people. And I had to get it out in words that, um, so I didn't scare people to death who aren't spiritual. Um, I had to get it into words that people could understand. And that was a process I've never had to experience in my life either, because how do you take something like this and get it into words that everybody can understand and respond to? Through the lens of love, and holding space for these people. So when you're explaining that, I can imagine when you're explaining that you can do this, you can heal a two-year-old through your touch. How do you separate? It's a spiritual process from, it's not a spiritual process, right? I mean. Yeah. And the whole thing is, is what I'm doing is I'm doing light touch the weight of a feather. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So bombing your brain, uh, it's it goes through your um, your vagal nerve, uh, and that goes to all your organs. So I'm going to a part of your brain called the somatosensory cortex, all sensory, and your limbic system, emotions. Your brain decides what needs to happen because it's always trying to save itself, and then sends down information uh, to whatever area I'm working on. And so if I was using acup- if I was an acupuncturist and I was using needles, you'd use a dozen needles or so. Um, I'm actually hitting hundreds of, I'm not hitting, I'm barely touching, hundreds of points on someone's fully, they fully dressed, usually wearing a long sleeve t-shirt and yoga pants or something like that. Um, Hundreds and hundreds of points. So I'm working with acupuncture points. I'm working with the neurological system. And I'm working with all of your energy systems, your iron pingali, your shuna, all the layers of your aura with a focus on the first four layers. Um, I'm working with um, your chakras. Now, um, I was a provider for education for nurses, for massage therapists and um, nurses across the U.S. Um, So I can speak, this is Asian work, um, but I can speak to the nurses as well. So a chakra is actually um, an endocrine gland, which is all your hormones, and that's your hormones have to be balanced to function well. So it's an endocrine gland with a whole nerve cluster sitting on top of this endocrine gland. So if you want to make an impact on someone, you want to go with the, you're going to work on their hormones and you're going to work on their nervous system. So you're, you think of, um, you think of everything that is, is electric in your body. So your neurological system is, your heart is, your brain is, your entire nervous system is, most of your organs, your vital organs are um, energetic. They're, they're, it's, it's almost like, um, like a light, you know, that you plug into the wall but has many aspects going in different directions. It has many bulbs in it. So you're plugging the light into the wall, but all these bulbs are going to light up. That's really what we're doing is we're lighting up all of these systems. So we're regenerating, we're reconnecting, um, we're releasing all the impingements like tight muscles, adhesions, blockages, because when when you're speaking to the brain, the brain sends down substance P, a neurotransmitter. If I was a massage therapist, I would press really hard on the spot, a tight muscle for eight to 10 seconds, and it would send down substance P and release that. What's much more effective and not painful, so I can work on, like I've worked on infants that have torticollis and different things. Um, so what happens is that the body itself chemically sends down the substance P and releases all the connective tissue, fascia, matrix, adhesions, blockages, muscles, and everything else. So now all of your systems are now functioning. You're detoxing, everything is working in your body the way it was designed to. So when you do that, you have you gain abilities, you gain uh, you have a better brain body connection. Uh, all of your systems are communicating. I have watched cancer disappear. I have watched uh, like Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. I got a child uh, out of his wheelchair. He was wheelchair bound, twelve years old. Um, I got him out of his wheelchair and walking independently, like he walked for four hours at an event they invited me to, and everybody was in tears because he was walking. And his mom just kept pointing to me. Um, so I have seen the craziest things. I've worked with simple things to extremely rare diseases. 
um, like drop seizures, uh, Moya Moya. I worked on William Lee on the Good Doctor TV show. I worked on his son, um, and he was misdiagnosed, and then he had a double brain bypass. Um, so he had uh, brain surgery on one side of his face. They take the nerves and bring it into the brain, and the brain and the nerves actually grow. Um, the blood vessels rather grow in as like like you're just transplanting a plant into a bigger pot, and the roots grow. Um, so I've worked with the craziest things, and I've watched. They hired me because uh, because he was given chemo at three years old when he was misdiagnosed, um, and then he had a double brain bypass by the end by the time he finished his third birthday so they hired me because he had all the strokes and his face was paralyzed his hands he couldn't walk um he lost all his teeth because of the chemo they all shattered um he had a hard time walking he couldn't run he was totally traumatized and then all the damage done by the chemo so they hired me and for six months every week i worked on uh, William lee's son um for um getting his body to function efficiently Today, he's 12, he runs, he talks, you would never think he went through what he, what he went through. Um, and they kind of took me in as a member of their family. Um, so anytime I'm in LA, you know, I'm invited. Um, they wow. always send me cards and things like that. Uh, millions and millions of stories, but things look like miracles, but it's actually, we're reversing all the dysfunction. So that's what I wanted to ask you. You just said, it looks like a miracle. So there was a miracle, right, that occurred? I mean, in my mind, there was a miracle yes. that occurred. Yeah. And you said your hands were moving, spirit, uh, your guides were showing you or moving your hands for you. Does that still happen or is it more in the science-based side that now you know what you're doing because you were given the gift? They didn't move my hands. What they do is uh, my head shakes when I'm getting information if someone's talking to me and my head starts shaking because uh, energy is information. So my head would shake, I would get the information, and then because I got the information uh, just intuitively uh, without consciousness, I my hands would move exactly where they needed to go. And they still do that. It's that's still what happens. Okay, that's what I was curious. If it's, yeah. if it's become a little bit more of you know, again, in quotes, like science-based as, as, yeah. as opposed like it. When, when I teach, um, I teach you, um, I teach you both sides. So I teach the science. I had one woman say to me, you know, where's your spiritual side? I said, you're sitting in it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I said, spirit guides taught me how to do this. So uh -huh. help people to fulfill the, my promise to, to, to God that I would help people the rest of my life. They gave me this gift, uh, this inspiration. And, you know, and I said, that's what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you the gift. And, but I'm, I, I myself am very balanced. So I can, like I said, I, I can speak to nurses or I could speak to the most spiritual person you ever spoke no you know um and i can go either way um and and it's just and and you think every single person's they're not going to be i want everybody to learn how to do this simply because that is my promise to god was i will help people the rest of my life and so this was given to me as a tool and so because of this and my i, I did a one minute video on instagram 
um, saying, you know, one low-functioning autistic child, completely functional eight sessions. Duchenne's muscular dystrophy got out of the wheelchair and walked before I was an event in front of dozens of people. And I did six of my children like that. And I just said on Instagram, um, that's Restore for Life, restoreforlife.com. And uh, two days later, I had Kelly Gores, who did the Heal documentary with Deepak Chopra, Joe Desponser, and all the big names, uh, call me on the phone. And she said, is this Susan Burdick? I said, yes. She says, it's Kelly Gores. I did the Heal documentary. And I burst out laughing. I thought someone's playing a joke. And she goes, Susan, it really is me. And then I got quiet because I'm like, it does sound like her. And uh, and then she goes, are you there? And I'm like, yeah, but I just didn't expect to have a call from you this afternoon. And so we both laughed. And so I worked on her. I worked on her immediate family, her relatives, all her staff, um, all her close friends. A lot of people, most of people, uh, when you look at my website, I don't have a lot of testimonials because I'm not allowed to speak about who I worked on because of their position. Uh, very famous people or billionaires that have huge corporations and different people she sent me to, you know, had me work on. Um, I have to be invisible. Um, they pass my name around quietly. Um, but that wasn't what I really wanted in life. I wanted to be extremely visible so that I can help people. Because if I'm incognito and just passed around quietly uh, to very high profile people, that doesn't get me where I want to go. So let me ask you this. That's that's incredible. And I want to circle back around to that. But what I have two questions, really. Number one is, what's the kind of common thread? Is it you, you, right now you're working mainly on children? I heard what you just said about the billionaires and the, you know, high profile people. But are you working on specific diseases? And my second question is, what are people's initial reaction when they first meet you and you tell them what what you do and who you are so very yeah, i'm curious to those two very very comforted um because i have white hair um i never dressed uh, i never really dress up I, I dress nicely you know with um nice pants on and a sweater or something like that um i speak just the way i'm speaking now i i'm not um I don't use huge vocabulary because then nobody even understands what you're talking about most of the time. Uh, if you use large words, um, it's actually quite aggro. Uh, it's uh, it's offensive uh, if you're speaking like that because um, not everyone knows what you're saying and you're going hooray for me, look at me, and that's never even entered into my mind um, to be that way. Um, so you're approachable. I'm extremely approachable. And, You're extremely approachable. <laughs> and, and I, I agree. And I come across as a, um, because of my age, currently um, I'm 67, uh, soon to be 68. Um, so when I come in, uh, I embrace them as if I'm a grandmother. Uh, I take on that grandmother role uh, with everyone because uh, because I guess my example of my grandmother, who was just all-encompassing, all-loving, uh, I'm going to help you. What can I do to make your life better? You know, she always made your favorite foods and everything. And and so that's how people see me. So whether I'm working on an infant, uh, on a child that's uh, been traumatized, um, or someone going through cancer treatments or anything else, um, people gravitate to me because I'm... I'm non-invasive, I'm not in a white coat, 
I'm not taking notes. I'm listening to them and what is their story. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel that from you, Susan. And I felt like that uh, about you for a very, very long time. And um, yeah, I, I can't actually believe that it's taken me so long to really hear this whole story. I mean, this is just incredible. Do you have like a, a perfect client? I am extremely passionate about children uh, mm-hmm. and babies. Moms, that's my clientele is moms, babies, um, you know, is there, uh, I, is there, I get a lot of people wanting me to work on elderly and um, I have in the past, I've worked with everything you can possibly imagine and more. Um, I couldn't even list in, if I were started now and ended a week from now, I couldn't list all the disease disorders and dysfunctions I have worked on. Um, but my passion is the children, because as if someone's 98 years old and someone says, you know, could you please help my grandmother? Yeah, I would help them. But if I'm looking at a child who's going through cancer treatments and they're three, I'm going to work on the child. Um, I, I feel they haven't had a life yet and that we need to get them stable and get them off the ground and get them healthy. Um, so my thing is kids. Now, I literally have uh, practitioners that I teach this to in a two-day workshop. I have practitioners that um, that are all over the world, and everybody has a different passion. So I have some that one woman lost her breast. She was a nurse, and she lost her breast to cancer. And so she, um, so now she just works on women with breast who, who are going through breast cancer. I have other people that are very, very into uh, in geriatric care. And so they work with people with Alzheimer's. So all my practitioners out there, I am the only teacher in the world um, because I want it taught properly. And um, I I want it to go out the way that I learned it because it's the most effective way to do it. And when you have looks, if I were to make teachers, then they would put their personality into it. Um, and that's not how it's supposed to go out into the world. Um, but my all my practitioners that I've created uh, literally all over the world uh, in some great jobs. I mean, I've worked on, I have a woman doing it from the United Nations. Uh, I have a woman who owns a jet company, um, you know, in uh, Geneva, Switzerland. She, I use her as my interpreter uh, when I get into different languages because I only speak English. So, uh, so I'll bring her on board um, during that time. I mean, amazing, amazing people, but everybody has a passion. And so I let their passion, because that's their love, so I let their love shine through my work. I imagine men are not excluded from this process. Is that right? No, um, it's just um, I find um, I've worked on a lot of men with very complicated situations. I worked with two international singers, one with dementia and Alzheimer's, and they said I worked my whole life to have a good retirement, and now we have this. And so I actually reversed their situation three years prior to where they were. And so they didn't get on stage and sing anymore, but they would do uh, group things, you know, with their friends, like 30, 40 people and sing. Um, They were enjoying the rest of their life. I have worked on a few men, but really my business is women, families, babies, you know, it's that's really my whole business. So, for the women who sign up for your two-day workshop, do they have a history of? Do they have different gifts? 
do they have, do you vet them for, you know, any type of um, spiritual modalities that they use is, you know, what's the attraction process there? So uh, a lot of people have already like done different kind of Reiki's. Um, some are nurses, um, some have zero, no energy work, no, you know, their moms, that's it. Um, so what I do is I teach you how to be an intuitive. Um, I talk about focus. I mean, you can take classes on it and pay thousands and thousands of dollars. And then every week they'll say, okay, now I want you to focus on this. I want you to focus on that. This is how you have, this is the procedure you have to do to become more intuitive. Basically, I sum it up very, very simple with my students. Um, if you want to see things, then be more present and then look at things clearly. Don't be scattered all over. If you want to be more intuitive, be present. Get really still and really focused. How many times are you driving down the street and you're going somewhere and you go through four towns and all of a sudden you're like, uh, how did I get here? It's because you were flaking out. It's a miracle. You were working on on motor neurons, you know, getting your body to um it, you know, to turn the wheel this way and to turn the wheel that way. But you were so out of it, you weren't even paying attention. So I teach people to pay attention, uh, to meditate. That's always good. Um, I used to do an energy class. I don't think it's it's necessary. There's enough stuff out there. Um, so basically, I teach people um, how to how to focus, how how to feel things, what to feel, what you're going to feel when you're working on someone. Does it feel heavy? Does it feel thick? Does it feel prickly? Uh, does it feel hot? Is it cold? Uh, what are you picking up? But I don't want you to, um, we'll do little games when I'm on Zoom. You know, we'll, we'll just stare at someone's face and look at every single feature uh, of their face so that, um, so that you're conscious, you're, you're there, you're present. Um, uh, when I'm in the physical, because I do get asked to go places, um, you know, to different events and things like that. Um, you know, I've been going to LA quite a bit for what, nine or 10 years now. Um, so, you know, I'm like, you can actually, if, if I'd sit people, uh, you know, in a circle and I'd say the person on the right is going to be the one to touch. The other one is going to be quiet. And I'll say, touch that person on the shoulder and think of anything and everything else. What you can have for dinner, where do you want to go, what will be you like, anything but them. And so I'd do that for a couple of minutes, like five minutes. And then I'd say to the other person, how did that feel? I felt her touch me. And, but there was nothing. There was no connection. And I said, now I want you to touch them, but I want you to think, I want you to think of how wonderful they are, what a great person they are, how much you love them, their assets you know, um, what kind of like, just anything loving that you can think about them. And every time I would do that, and, and then they'd go, they wouldn't even get close to the person. They just have their hand up and the person would say, what's that? They would feel the energy coming off their hands because it was love. So the more you love someone, the more every single person I work on, I become in love with them. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be happy. All I give them every all the love I can give them because that makes the strongest connection. So, are there any women who take the course and they just say, "I can't do this. This is just not 
I don't have the no the gift. No, um, I have. Um, I wrote the workshop. Now, I, this is my third book that I have to finish. Is I've only been doing it since 2012. I wrote the workshop. I wrote all my books that a fifth grader could understand because everybody's in a different place. So every single book I ever wrote, uh, you know, Reboot Your Body for Better Body Function, uh, that was my first one. Um, that was when I was coming off the spar end. Um, and you have to write a book. If you want a lot of people to read something, you have to write like you're speaking to a fifth, reading for a fifth grader. Mm -hmm. Because some people aren't average readers. Some people just pick up something in a magazine and read quickly. So you have to be able to attract them, keep them informed, keep their attention. Um, and you're not insulting anyone with a huge vocabulary. So that's how, if you want a lot of people to learn, that's the level that you write at. And that's I, I, why I did all the work I did to create the workshop was because I wanted everyone to be able to do this. So instead of learning 901 acupuncture points, I, I teach you how to do a pattern. Um, instead of becoming an Asuian Shambhala master, I raise the vibration up immensely in my workshops. So for the two days you're in your workshop, you are being bombarded with restore energy, which is love. And so because of that, I say, you know, I don't give you certificates, but the level of energy received throughout this, the level of um, education you got, you're actually Reiki masters. I'm not going to give you a certificate for that, but don't feel like, oh, this person's a Reiki master and I'm not. I said, because that's not what I certify you in. I recertify you in Restore, and Restore is energy work. And how many women, sorry, how many women have you, um, have gone through this training? Thousands. Thousands, wow. Thousands. Why, and you said internationally. Yes, I have them all over. I have Portugal, uh, Germany, India, uh, you name it. Um, this one woman that I, like I said, I worked on very high profile people who she works very heavily with, uh, like Kelly Gores and, uh, Joe Dispenser and all the big names and she's a concierge. So she gets them to go to different places. I'm going to be meeting. It's already been arranged to be with, um, with Deepak Chokra. And then, uh, I, I always pronounce this name wrong, Banji. Um, and it's Deepak has a, um, a nonprofit that's for kids that um, to prevent suicide, you know, them from committing suicide, and so I'm supposed to fly to LA to to meet both of them. And wow, so this is incredible, Susan. That oh my, that comes from a person who um, was suppressed my entire life. Um, I wasn't allowed to be myself. Um, that was someone who had no money. I mean, while I was developing Restore, the little money I got from my half of the divorce was swallowed up. So there was years I was like at the end, living in really dumpy places and years of like, oh, I have $2 left in the checkbook this month. Oh, I have $6 left in the checkbook this month. And I did that for several years living in terrible places because I, my friend said I was nuts because I emptied my retirement account. Um, but I said, actually, no, because this, I'm so passionate about this 
that I said, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? I could end up on welfare, but I would still have a roof over my head and I would have food. And then I would continue on. And, so, and they all thought it was like crazy. But I said, you know, it's this is my destiny. This is what I was meant to do. And I'm not giving up. So, so, it, it, so your destiny may challenge you at times. You may go through some hard times. You're following your path. But I feel it's like a test. Are you, are you durable enough to get where you want to go? Are you going to give up enough? How many times do you hear about actresses sleeping in their car before they hit the big one, the big, the big gig that they had that just turned them into famous people? You have to. Are you going to be durable enough to get through this? Are you going to give up your dreams for what? Some extra cash in the bank? You have to. If, if it's, I mean, that's really what we're showcasing right here, and I, I. I I think this is the interview that I've spoken the least. I, mean, I just am absolutely <laughs> speechless. Like, and then what happened? I, I I can't even, I cannot wait for everyone to listen to this uh, episode, Susan, and to, to hear not just your journey, but I'm just going to put it into my own language, you know, what the universe can provide when we're available to it. I mean, this is just, and no one is going to have the same experience as you because it's your experience, but we all are privy to our own experience. And like you just said, you know, like, what are you going to do with these gifts? You know, are we going to use our gifts on our lifelong journey on our path this is this is what has been given to us i mean what's been given to you is really truly unbelievable and what i want you to do is share with everyone there's probably so many women right now with a blank piece of paper and a piece a, a pen in their hand waiting to hear how they can get in touch with you to sign up for your next workshop i mean so that's what i want you to share right now is how can these how can my audience how can i Get in touch with you and sign up. When is it? And I yeah, do give us the details. I do uh, a workshop once a month. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And I do that because I try to make it available for everyone. So I would rather have a smaller workshop um, where I really can engage with each person uh, versus, you know, teach a thousand people at a time because I'm not going to answer everybody's questions. Um, so in the, the workshop, the workshops are on zoom, correct? What I do is I do them on zoom because I'm more accessible to people. If right. people have to pay for hotel and pay for uh, transportation and pay for food, it just, um, it's sometimes too much for a lot of people to do that as well as pay for, you know, to pay to learn. And um, so I do a lot of them on Zoom, and I have more access to people all over the world when I'm on Zoom. Uh, I'm going on demand because I want um, I want people on the other side of the world to be able to um, take the workshop, um, but not during their sleeping hours. So because of the time differences, mm. so um, so it's just restore r e s t o r e for f o r life l-i-f-e dot com 
and you'll see me, you'll see, um, you know, my background, which we already talked about. Um, and you will see, I come across on my first page is, is very scientific because most people who come on have a child on the, on the autism spectrum, or they have a, down, a child with down syndrome or kids going through cancer treatments or a loved one going through cancer treatments. So they're really, the first thing that you'll see is more of the science. Mm -hmm. um, but I have little hints in there. Um, I talk about, you know, being the medical intuitive, and then I put a little bit on the back, like, and much more. So without going lengthy, you know, I got clear audience via, you know, a channeler. And I, you know, I don't get into all that. Because um, I leave it up to the person who is really intuitive and uh, on their journey will get it. Um, those that aren't won't. So um, so I kind of word things very carefully like that throughout my website. Um, but yes, that's my that's my journey. and um, and I literally work seven days a week. Uh, I get breaks in between, you know, uh, I work usually every morning in California and every evening on the East Coast. Um, and in between I'm in my office and then sometimes I'm traveling. So the whole thing is my, I work, it isn't a job for me. It's my passion. So that's why I, um, I go to different venues, um, you know, a retreat, something like that. Um, just, well, I was going to say, yeah, excuse me. I was going to say, you know, I'm down here in Costa Rica and I, I bet we could have a really great retreat down here, but maybe you and I can talk yeah, about that another time, but I've held you so long, Susan, there's so much more to talk about. I know that this is going to inspire. I am overwhelmingly inspired. Uh, I, I feel you know, kissed by God, just by having you on today, you articulate, you communicate so beautifully, like you said, you know, um, as if we're all fifth graders, which is perfect for so many of us, just, you know, getting, yeah. getting intimate with your journey. But I am super grateful for you, Susan, for taking the time today. You took a lot of time with us. And um, I'm going to encourage everyone listening to hop on www.restore for life dot com connect with me if you have any um if you if you need additional support but connect straight with susan sign up for her workshops again susan thank you so much for being here thank you to the audience for being here once a month with kathy talone and then what happened this has been an incredible time with susan burdick for restore for life and thank you for really yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And um, we'll see y'all next month. So grateful for you. Thank you for being here, Susan. We will connect soon. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.